Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're looking at the signs of being a mature Christian. You say, why do I need this? Because in the natural world, if a child is not growing up, we get very concerned as parents and medical professionals. Very concerned if a child is not going through the milestones of development. We say, what are the signs that this child should be mature at this level? At six months, as eight months, 12 months, two years, five years, 10 years, etc. And if that is not being met, we start to do medical interventions. We may need to do blood tests or check the hormone levels or, or check something, check for disease. Because if a person is not growing as they should, we are very, very concerned. Paul the Apostle was concerned about people uh, and the writer of Hebrews may have been Paul, it may have been somebody else and they were also concerned and it says in Hebrews 5, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk, not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And in our first message last week, we talked about solid food versus milk and how we need to learn to study God's word and exercise our senses for good and evil. And that's not just our physical senses of, of sight and hearing and touch, etc., but our spiritual senses and our spiritual mind and exercise them to understand good and evil and then exercise the good and evil so that we fulfill the word of righteousness, that we start to behave like God wants us to behave. So last week we talked about food and, and starting to eat correctly. This week we're talking about behavior. And when my children were very small, there were milestones and my wife would take the baby to the clinic and they would weigh them, they would measure them, they would do certain tests to see if they were responding correctly. And then as they grew up, we read books and we spoke to other parents and we said, at the age of two, what should my child be like? Should they be doing these various things? And at the age of five, and there were mental milestones, emotional milestones, physical milestones, but there were also behavioral milestones. And this became more and more the focus of our attention. As we saw that our children were growing physically, we started to think about their behavior. And so when they were very small, we had to tell them how to behave. We had to say, you don't speak disrespectfully. You don't hit people. You don't bite people. Uh, you say, please, you say, thank you. We had to tell them what to do. And as they grew older, we continued to teach them. Sometimes we had to physically help them. So for instance, if they were running into the road or about to touch a dangerous hot thing, we would physically restrain them. But at other times, we tried to teach them to listen to our words. I can remember telling my children bedtime stories which had a moral. And I would make up the stories to reinforce a moral that I was trying to teach them. And the one that sticks in my mind the most, which my children have reminded me of, is little Johnny who got up on the roof of his house and his mum and dad stood in the garden and said, Johnny, get off the roof, you're going to fall. 
And he said, no, I'm not going to get off. And he fell off and broke his leg. Now, you may criticize me for telling my children that story, but I was trying to reinforce to them that they need to listen when somebody older than them tells them what to do, especially somebody who cares for them, like their parents. And I was trying to help them to learn to behave in a certain way. Is it because I wanted them to just do what I said for the rest of their lives? No. I wanted them to learn what was right and then to take the reins and start to do what was right of their own accord. I wanted them to learn to have self-control, but self-control in the right way, along the right guidelines. Why did I want that? Because I know that in this world that we live in, even if you put Christianity to one side, if you live in a certain way, it is best for you. It is the most healthy way to live. It is the happiest way to live, and it leads to success and a fulfilled life. But then if you add God into the equation, we understand that God is the same with you and I. My dear friend, when you first become a Christian, a lot of what happens in your Christian life is other people telling you how to live, and God, I believe, act actively directing your path and, and making things happen so that you don't stumble and fall off the path. But God's goal is for us to develop to mature. And in this passage that we've just read, he says that we need to be skilled in the word of righteousness, which is behaving the right way, the way that God wants. And he says we need to exercise our senses to discern both good and evil. And it's all about behavior. Have you ever thought about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? It lists the works of the flesh and then it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to help us and to change us so that these fruits start to be displayed in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that last one, self-control, means that the Holy Spirit wants us to start to control ourselves to do what's right without being forced by God or by other people to do what's right. And righteous living, living the way God wants us to live, and for it to come out of the middle of us instead of it being imposed on us by rules or by circumstances, that is God's will for us as believers. So, our first sign of maturity was that we study God's Word and we digest it and learn to interpret it and understand it for ourselves. The second sign of maturity is that I start to live right. I start to be righteous and in a lifestyle way, not because I'm forced to, not because of peer pressure, not because of guilt, not because of fear, but because it's coming up from within me. I want to do right. I naturally do right. God's power makes me want to do right. And there is self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, where it's not just God's power, but my own ability and willpower meld with God's and self-control makes me start to do right. 
And this is an important thing. There's a shocking passage for some people in 1 John chapter 3. He says, whoever commits sin commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when we think of lawlessness, we think of criminals and people who get put in prison. And actually, all that is, is a child who's never grown up. They've never learned to behave correctly out of their own willpower and their own desire. And so they have to be forced to do right. And that usually means eventually they get put in prison because they re rely on outside forces to make them do the right thing. But maturity means it comes from within me to do the right thing. It says, sin is lawlessness. And you know that Jesus, he was manifested to take away our sins. In him, there is no sin. Hallelujah. Jesus takes away our, our sin in that the penalty and the guilt and the punishment of sin is taken away. But does that mean that that's the end of it? No, our behavior needs to change. Listen to the next verse. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Other versions say does not continue in sin. And that's actually what the Greek tense is saying. Whoever abides in him does not continue in sin. Who, whoever continues in sin has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He says, it's not enough just to say, Jesus has forgiven my sins if I don't live it out. When you first become a Christian, that's fine because we are learning to change our behavior. But a sign of maturity, please hear me now, is that you start to live like Jesus. You start to behave the way God wants you to behave. Not because you're forced to, not because someone's watching, not just because you're fearful. No, no, it's not that I'm fearing that God is going to whack me. I know that he's forgiven my sins. I know that I'm, I'm free from guilt, but I want to. I want to please him. I want to do what's right. And I start to live right. And self-control becomes something that actually happens in my life. And I start to live righteous. This is a sign of maturity. Now, you may have been taught that actually your behavior does not matter that um, it's Jesus' forgiveness, that's all that matters, and, and you can just continue in sin. And, and actually, Paul got that response. Paul taught about grace so much that people said to him, does this mean we can continue in sin so that grace may increase? And he says, by no means, you died to sin. And then he says, you can overcome sin. And I want to say to you that it's not enough. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. When you're a baby believer, yes, we are still changing and overcoming negative lifestyles and ways of behavior and ways of thinking. But as you grow as a Christian, if you are not becoming more like Jesus, if you are still continuing in sin, then there is a problem. There's a failure to thrive. In medical circles, if a child is not developing correctly, they call it a failure to thrive. And they're very worried because it means that child will probably not survive. In spiritual life, Paul says, come on, you should have grown up by now. You should have had solid food and it's the food that leads to righteousness, he says. It's, it's for you to exercise your senses to discern good and evil. It's supposed to work itself out in your lifestyle. 
Now, there is another teaching that we have often said, and it is true in its place, that says we can never be perfect. We can never be sinless. Don't ever say you have no sin. In fact, in this very book, 1 John, I've just read 1 John 3, where he says, no one who continues to sin. Verse 9, I didn't read it to you. It says, whoever has been born of God does not sin or does not continue to sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot continue to sin because he has been born of God. So we read in chapter 3, he says, you can't keep on sinning. But he's not saying that you are sinless because in chapter 1, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So it's, it's not saying that we're perfect and we never sin, but it is saying we don't continue in a lifestyle of sin without any worry, without any change, without any concern about it. We want to improve and we are changing and we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And secondly, there are big sins and there are little sins. Now, I know this is an area of debate. Some people say, aren't all sins the same? All sins are the same in that they are breaking God's laws and God's perfect ways. And so we are all lawbreakers. We are all sinners. However, there are some sins that damage ourselves and others more than others. And that God says, this is a list of sins that you must be careful of because you can't continue in these sins and still say you're a Christian. And he lists them in 1 Corinthians 6, in Galatians 5, and various other places. He lists the sins and he says, look through this list and check yourself because you can't continue in this lifestyle and still say I'm a Christian. But we all still have times when we are jealous or where we fall to various different emotions and sins or we, we act out of character. And he says, don't say you have no sin because we all do. But when you're continuing in a lifestyle of sin, he says, you can be righteous. You must be righteous. It's a sign of maturity. So the thing we need to understand if we are to become righteous is that there are three categories of human being mentioned in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, he says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. So the first category is the natural man. That means a person who hasn't been born again. You can try to serve God. You can try to be righteous, but you don't have the power of the Spirit of God inside of you. The whole of the Old Testament, they were trying to serve God out of their own strength, their fleshly ability. The rules of the law came from the outside in, and they perceived them with their ears and their eyes, with their flesh. And, and so they couldn't obey because their flesh was weak and sinful. So that's the natural man. He cannot be righteous. And then he speaks of the spiritual man in the next verse. Um, but he who is spiritual judges all things. And, and he has the mind of Christ. He has the spirit of God within him. Many places in the New Testament, it talks about this spiritual, this new person, this new creation. Uh, just like God in, in holiness and righteousness. We are the righteousness of God. We have the power of God. Uh, when God looks at us, he sees us as pure and righteous. That's the spiritual man. So there's the natural man and the spiritual man, but there is an in-between man called the carnal man. And this is where many Christians fall down because they have the spirit of God inside of them and they love God and they want to serve him 
but they are acting as if they don't have the Spirit of God in them. And so in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So he says, you're not spiritual. You're not acting like spiritual, even though you are born again. He says, brethren, I could not speak to you. They are Christians. They have God's spirit in them, but they are carnal, which means they're acting like they were natural men. And he says they are babes in Christ. Now that word carnal comes from the same word we get carnivore and uh, chili con carne. It means meat. It means fleshly. And so what he's saying is you have the spirit inside of you, which is where all God's goodness, righteousness, power, peace is. And then you have your flesh on the outside of you, your meat, which is weak by sin. And he says you are acting out of the strength of your flesh and out of the signs and signals of your flesh. And so he says, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal. And because of that, you're babes in Christ. And then he goes on to say, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. And I just want to spend the last few minutes of my talk today describing to you what a carnal Christian is and how we can become spiritual Christians. Because if we're going to grow up, he says, uh, for where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? You're behaving like you, you're not a Christian. You're trying to behave like the Old Testament Christians who just struggled in their own strength. And he says, you're babies. You're not growing up and you're not acting like a spiritual man. And the same writer, Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, also wrote Romans. And he was so vulnerable and honest. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about when he, as a born-again Christian, with all of God's power and spirit inside of him, when he tried to be righteous based on his own strength or based on the law, when he, he looked at a whole list of do's and don'ts and he said, I must do this because if I don't, I'll be punished. And he says he failed again and again and again. He says the law actually provoked sin within him. When he, when he looked at all the rules, it, it made it worse. And he says some amazing things. He says um, in verse 14, For I am carnal, sold under sin. He's describing what he's like as a Christian, but living by the flesh's power and signals. Uh, he says, for what I want to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. He says, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So in Romans 7, Paul describes trying to be righteous, wanting to be righteous. Remember, there's three categories of people. And he says, I am a Christian because in my inward man, I want to do God's will. Remember, we'd read in 1 Corinthians 2 that the natural man can't please God, doesn't even want to please God. He says, but I want to. I've got God's spirit inside of me. But when I try to do it in my flesh, I'm carnal. I'm relying on laws. I'm relying on my own strength. And then in Romans 8, he gives us an amazing 
freeing passage. He says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's those three categories of people again. He says, those who are in Christ Jesus, in other words, they're not a natural man. But then he says, they do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And this, my friend, is the answer. You may have tried to be righteous. You may have done New Year's resolutions and tried your hardest. But when we walk according to the Spirit, we overcome the flesh. It's a bit like your mind is in the middle and you choose. Am I going to focus on my flesh? In other words, my five senses to tell me, am I righteous? What is true in the world? Or am I going to focus on the Spirit to tell me what is true and to allow God's power to flood into me? Let me give you an example. I wake up in the morning and I look at my flesh and it says, I am fearful about what I see around me. It says, I want to sin. It says, I'm lazy. It says, I haven't changed since I became a Christian. But then I switch my mind to the spirit and it says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God loves me. He will always love me. He's forgiven me. He's put his power in me. He is close to me. He will never leave me or forsake me. And I choose to say, I am a spiritual man. What the Spirit says, what God's Word says about my spirit is true, not what my five senses say. And the power of God floods into me. Let's read on in Romans 8. So he says there's no condemnation. Now we know that if we're in Christ, we're already forgiven. But what he's talking about there is I don't condemn myself when I'm looking at the Spirit. When I'm looking at my flesh, I condemn myself. But when I'm looking at the Spirit, I see that I am righteous, even though my flesh is still weak. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Inside your spirit, there's the Spirit of life. But he says, in my flesh, previous verses in Romans 7, he says, in my flesh is the law of sin and death. But he says, this law in my spirit is stronger. It's a greater power. It's a bit like when an airplane takes off, the law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity and the airplane takes off. It's the same. He says, God's spirit in me is stronger than what's in my flesh. Verse 3, for what the law, the Old Testament rules, could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, so the law could not make me righteous because of my flesh was weak. But God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus has broken the power of the flesh. Verse 4, so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We can walk righteous if we allow the power of the spirit and the signals that we're taking to come from the spirit and not from the flesh. Verse five, very important verse. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Friend, what are we saying today? We're saying that just as a little child has to grow to learn to behave correctly without being forced to behave, a Christian with God's Spirit inside of them needs to learn to allow that righteousness and power and life of the Holy Spirit to dominate their lives 
so that they put to death the flesh and they live righteous for God. And the way we do it is not by trying to obey a whole bunch of rules, because even the great apostle Paul admitted he couldn't do it. The way we do it is by setting our minds every day and saying, Lord, even though I'm tempted in the flesh, even though I'm weak in the flesh, even though my flesh is still not where it should be, I thank you that in my spirit, I am pure, I am perfect, I'm close to you. And I allow the spirit to dominate. I set my mind on the spirit and I put to death the deeds of the flesh. Now, you may have sinned and you may have failed. And I want to say to you, there is good news. Just as I read in 1 John about how we mustn't continue to sin. In the first chapter, he says, if we confess our sins, if we Christians confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, don't say you don't have any sin, but confess them and thank God for his forgiveness and then set your mind on the spirit. Worship him. When you're tempted, say, thank you, God, that I am clean in my spirit, even though I'm feeling this way and allow God's power to flood in. Start looking for the good things God wants you to do rather than focusing on the bad things you're trying to avoid because the thing you, have, you focus on is the thing that dominates your mind and you start to do it. But if you focus on the good things, the Holy Spirit inside of you and God's word is telling you to do, be actively doing the good rather than trying to avoid the bad. You will find the law of the spirit of life, that excitement, that peace, that joy, that fellowship of the Holy Spirit floods in and invigorates you to do what God wants you to do. You are righteous if you've believed in Jesus. His spirit is in you. He loves you. You are pure. His power is available to you. Father, I pray for my friend today that you would help us all to grow up from babies to mature by learning to allow righteousness and the power of your spirit to dominate our lives and to lead us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, please let us know how you're doing. We would love to pray with you. Leadinglightsnetwork.com. We are here for you. And you're not alone. The Bible says that every temptation you're facing is common to man. And so we are with you and we will help you through this journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.